There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash forward. To a person with depression, the world is a sad and hopeless place. But God specializes in bringing joy and hope out of hopelessness. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at depression and four biblical steps for defeating it. With reassurance that God is in control, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Depression, the Fear of Mental Breakdown. Thank you for joining us today for this new week of Turning Point and for this discussion of depression, which we began on Friday. We will get to that discussion and conclude our thoughts about that in just a few moments. But first, we want to let you know that during the month of March, you can get a copy of the book that is the basis for all of these messages. The book is called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. And uh, we've chosen these messages for this time and this moment in our history with all that we're facing and with the responses that we've been getting from all over the world from people who are Christians, have been long-term, what you might call career Christians, who are facing things they've never faced before and finding their own personal reactions kind of a surprise to them that having walked with God, they face these challenges as we all do. We're trying to speak to those issues during this series, and we'll conclude our discussion on depression uh, today. The rest of the series goes like this. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to talk about the fear of dying. Not dying, but the fear of it. And then on Thursday and Friday, what does the Bible mean when it talks about the fear of God? So, these lessons for you to help you as you uh, walk through these challenging days. And again, you can get a copy of this book by simply sending a gift of any size to Turning Point and asking for your copy of the book on hope. Well, let's get started with part two of depression, the fear of mental breakdown. Sometimes depression is systemic. By that I mean it has something to do with what's going on in your system. And let me just tell you something. There are things that can go on in the human body that can create depression. Hormonal imbalance, dietary issues, All of these things can contribute to the moods that you feel. And before you go any further, if you have these bouts in your life, check it out. Make sure there's nothing going on that could cause you to be depressed that is systemic in nature. Let me go back to my friend Charles Haddon Spurgeon. The great man himself was subject to such spiritual depression, and the main cause of it was that he suffered from gout severe gout that finally killed him. And he had to face this problem of spiritual depression often in a most acute form, a tendency that always happened when he was having a severe bout with his physical disease. And he would have to leave his church for days and months at a time in order for him to get over this. You cannot isolate the spiritual, the emotional, the intellectual from 
the physical. They go together. The greatest and the best Christians, when they are physically weak, are more prone to an attack of spiritual depression than at any other time, and there are great illustrations of that in the Bible and in history. Sometimes there are satanic reasons. I mean, the book of Job is certainly an illustration of that. Here we see Satan at work more than in any other book in the Bible. Do you know that at the beginning, Satan makes a deal with God? He says, let me have Job, and I'll show you he's not as hot as you think he is. Let me have Job. Let me cause suffering in Job's life, and you'll find out that this guy, Job, that you think is the greatest God, your number one pupil, he'll curse you. You'll just wait and see. Now, the interesting thing about this is that God and Satan knew what was going on. They had this deal, but God never told Job. Job never did know about the deal that God had made with Satan to allow Satan to test Job and prove his integrity. Sometimes, Satan will try to cause sadness in your life. Here's what I've known about. Satan doesn't usually have anything to do with the bad things that happen. He comes in afterwards to make you misinterpret the bad things that happen. He comes in afterwards and says, God doesn't love you as much as he used to, or God doesn't care about you, and God doesn't, he's not really interested in all. And so Satan uses the tragedy, which he may not have caused, as a talking point in your life to bring depression into your heart. Don't let him do that. Sometimes there are spiritual reasons for depression. I read this. This is a great comment. Listen to this. Sometimes God puts his children to bed in the dark. He really does. We say that God allows suffering, and sometimes Scripture uses that language. But he's always in control. And if God has allowed a dark time in your life, and there's no evidence that you know of of any reason for it, just know that he's up to something And at the end, as we'll see in the life of Job, when the test is finished, you will be better than you were before. Now, I've talked about the epidemic of depression and the experience of it and the expression of it and the examination of it and some explanations of it. I want you to notice something that I find to be truly amazing. And this is not psychological. This is just studying the Word of God and watching what happens. Let's talk about the expectations of depression. Someone has described this phenomenon in nautical terms like this. The height of the wave determines the depth of the valley that follows it. And the opposite is also true. Sometimes the depth of the valley is a promise of the blessing to come. How many of you know life is lived in a rhythm? There's a rhythm about life. Let's get to understand that when it comes to what we're talking about today. This is borne out in examples from the Bible. Let me just give you a couple. Do you remember when Elijah stood on Mount Carmel and confronted all of the prophets of Baal and he called down fire from heaven and he made fun of their God saying maybe their God was asleep? And then after God came down and licked up all the water that was poured on the fire and destroyed the altar and ate up the sacrifice... Elijah went out and he killed all of the prophets of Baal. Now, I would say that was a pretty good day for a man of God. It was a mountaintop experience that most people would never, ever get close to. But within just hours after that experience, Elijah is running for his life 
from Queen Jezebel, and when he finally could no more run, he collapsed under a juniper tree, and that's when he said, Lord, let me die. He went from the mountaintop to the valley in just a few hours. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus was baptized? And God broke heaven's silence and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the next verse says, And Satan took him to the wilderness and tempted him for 40 days. After a major mountaintop experience, we need to be ready to face the valley. We were not created to live on the mountain all the time. We weren't created to live in the valley all the time. Life has rhythm to it. And I've understood this. Don and I have talked about this many times. Let me tell you about an illustration. We were in Kansas City, and we had one of the best events we have ever had since we've been doing this. People came from everywhere. The building was full. Marshall and the musical team were just, I mean, it was unbelievable. And I preached on John 3.16, and you've heard me preach that message. And I gave the invitation, and a few people came, and that's what happens in these events. We don't always have a lot of folks. And then all of a sudden without any way for me to prepare for it, people started coming to the front in droves. I'm standing here, and this is a big bowl, and people sitting on the floor and all up on the sides, and all I could see is people streaming down from the sides. Over 200 people came forward. There were so many people, we didn't have anywhere close to the number of counselors we needed to share with them, so I had to do a group prayer. We got everybody in front, and I asked them all to pray out loud the sinner's prayer after me, and it sounded like half of the audience was praying the prayer. I turned to Marshall, and I said, Marshall, I have never, ever seen anything like this in my life. I don't understand it. I don't know what we did, but God came down tonight in this place. And I was in tears. I walked off the stage, and I reminded myself, because I've been studying this Look out, Jeremiah, tomorrow's coming. (laughs) You know, look out. And I've been on guard. So far, it hadn't got me yet. But if I hadn't been on guard, it surely would have. And you know, Charles Haddon Spurgeon says it works the other way. He said, before any great achievement, some measure of the same depression is very usual. Such was my experience when I first became a pastor in London. My success appalled me, and the thought of the career which it seemed to open up so far from elating me, it cast me into the lowest depths. Who was I that I should continue to lead so great a multitude, and I would betake me to my village obscurity, or immigrate to America and find a solitary nest in the backwoods where I might be sufficient for the things which would be demanded of me? And then he said, This depression comes over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my ministry. The mountain comes and then the valley. But sometimes the valley comes and then the mountain. There's a rhythm to life. You know what? We would do ourselves a lot of good if we would just understand that. One of the men that I met who was depressed came to a book signing, and he just told me how depressed he was, and I asked him what he did. And he said he was an accountant, and he did taxes. This was the 16th of April. I told him I was depressed. And then I said, how many taxes do you? And he told me he did taxes for all the wealthy people in Oklahoma City. And I said, how have you been working on it? And he told me, I said, well, you know what? I don't know all that's going on in your life, but I told him this little story. 
I said, when you finish with a task you've been working on for a long time and you finally get it done and you've been to the mountain and it's over, your system needs a break. And one of the things that happens is you go from the height of your adrenaline just pumping into your system and there's going to be a little bit of a down. Don't take that so seriously. Understand that's part of how life works. God has built that into us so that we can survive as life goes forward. Can I get a witness? Everybody got that? Amen. The expectations. Now, let's talk about the elimination of depression. And I'm just going to give you some thoughts that I think might be helpful. Please understand, if you have severe depression, if you suffer depression, that is debilitating. That means you can't work or you have days when you can't function. Do not, whatever you do, do not not go and get some help. There are godly counselors, but I am telling you some things you can do to help when these moments come. But I am not trying to stand in the place of a doctor. I'm not a doctor. And I would hate for you to leave here and think that this is all there is. No, if you have severe depression, you need to find medical help. And don't be ashamed to do it. Remember, all of these great people who have suffered with the same thing you suffer with. But having said all of that, here's some things I'd like to suggest. Number one, reveal your depression. Based on the story of Job, I want to suggest that you reveal honestly your depression to the people that you trust. The thing about Job was this. He didn't hide his feelings. Listen to these words from Job 7:11. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Job said, I'm not going to keep this to myself. Here's what's going on in my life. Find somebody you trust and let it all out. Be honest about what you're feeling. You say, well, I'm, uh, get over it. Find somebody you trust and tell them what's going on in your life. Even in the doing of that, you will feel better. (laughs) Number two, resist your depression. Depression is something to be feared, something to fight. And I say that because, listen to me, nobody ever wants to be depressed. Nobody ever seeks to be depressed. But there are people who won't allow depression to leave. Let me say this tenderly. There are people you and I have both known who enjoy their bad health. Do you know what I'm saying? I used to have people say, you know, people come and and I'd ask people how they're doing. And I'd get an organ recital. This organ doesn't work. That one doesn't work. This one doesn't work. And you'd go through all this stuff, you know. And they seemed happy to be telling you that's their story. And I say that because I have known people who go through depression and there's help available and it's probably not something that they couldn't deal with, but they don't want to deal with it. They enjoy the attention that it gets for them. Please listen to me today. Depression is not anything to mess with. Don't let its foot in the door. Don't let anything happen that would cause it to get worse if there's something you can do to cause it to get better. Fight it. It is your enemy just as surely as immorality or violence or theft is your enemy. Depression is your enemy. It's not your friend. Don't coddle it. Treat it as an enemy. Number three, research your depression. I read this from Dan Phillips. He said, you should probably see a good doctor. I don't mean for happy pills. I do not mean for psychological treatment. I mean to eliminate the possibility of physical causes. And we've talked about that already. 
There might be something going on in your life that you don't know about. Before you do anything else, if you suffer from this, go see a doctor and get a physical. Tell him what's going on in your life and say, I just want to make sure there's not anything systemic going on that's causing this to happen. Number four, replace your depression. Lean into God. Don't lean away from him. Let me tell you something that I've discovered. When you go through any kind of trouble in life, listen up. You have to do things that are counterintuitive. By that I mean, if you only do what you feel like doing when you don't feel good, you will always do the wrong thing. What does that mean? Well, when I am down, I don't feel like reading the Bible. Do it anyway. Say to yourself, self? (laughs) I don't feel like reading the Bible, but I'm going to read it anyway. And if you read it quietly in a little corner of your house, go out in the garage and read it out loud. Take action that will bring you toward God, not push him away. Here's the deal. If you let depression get in between you and God, it will push you away. But if you put the depression out here, it will push you toward God, and then you will have a much better chance to survive. It all depends on where it is. Don't put it in between you and God. Job cried out to God, but he never cursed God. And the Bible says that when he got all done with his depression, he did not sin The Bible says that. In his crying out to God for answers and for help, he sinned not. So make sure that what's going on in your life drives you toward your God and not away from him. I need to tell you, most of the people that I know who've gone through tough times, whether it's cancer or some other kind of sickness or family trouble, when they get that principle right, they come out of it much stronger in their faith than when they went into it. And then... One last thing before we close our Bibles. Let's talk a little bit about the effect that depression had on Job. (laughs) Even before his testing was over, Job expressed this thought. And this is a great verse for you to remember. Job 23.10, here's what it says. But God knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And after it was over, he expressed gratitude for what had happened in his life. In Job 42, he said, God, before this thing, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job lived in triumph in his faith. In Job 13, he says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's what I mean. That's counterintuitive when you're going through trouble. But that's what you say in your heart. That's what you mean in your spirit. Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't have any explanation for this. But Lord, if you slay me, I'm still going to trust you. That's what Job said. And then he finally was able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand at last on the earth. There's life after depression. There's victory after the test. There's hope after the hopelessness. And yes, there's joy after the despair. For those of you who are Christians, you have quite an advantage that you may not know about. So as we close, I want to tell you this story. Most of you have noticed that on television these days, programming is suffering. And one of the ways you know it's suffering is because old movies are being replayed over and over and over again. If you have a movie you like, just search the channels for a couple days and it'll be there. You won't have to pay for it. It'll be there. One of my favorite movies, and don't feel bad about it when I tell you this, is The Fugitive. 
I remember when The Fugitive came out. We saw it when it first came out, and we sat, I think, down in the front row, either the front row or the second row, and I sat there like this through the whole thing with my eyes wide open. I was mesmerized by that movie. Every minute of it was so captivating. When Harrison Ford went off the ledge into the falls, I about jumped out of my seat. Now, you know how that movie ends. Everything gets resolved. The one-armed man gets caught, and everything's fine, and Harrison ends up... That's the difference between a comedy and a tragedy. A tragedy ends bad, a comedy ends good. So The Fugitive is a comedy. Even though there's no humor in it, it's a comedy because that's what a comedy is. Now listen carefully. I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I've watched that movie. (laughs) Over and over and over again. I already know what's going to happen. And I still have a little heart flutter when he goes off the cliff. But it's not like it was the first time, or even the second. Now that I've watched it 15 times or so, I still have emotion. I still have a little bit of energy that's dispensed throughout the movie. But you see, it's different because I know how it turns out. I know that it turns out right, that the end is going to be what you always hope a movie like that will be. You know the good guy wins, the bad guy gets punished, and all is well. Now, life is like that, isn't it? Life is like a movie. The first time you go through a downtime in your life, wow, it's how in the world am I ever going to deal with this? This is awful. And then somehow God helps you through it and you get through the first one. And the next time it comes, you realize, you know, this is really hard and this is emotional. But I've been through this once before and I know that God was with me and he'll help me this time. And you know what else? I know how it turns out. You've heard me laugh at Donna because she reads the last chapter of her books before she finishes reading the book. But I'm beginning to realize she's more right about that than I am. When you read the last chapter you don't get traumatized by the events that happen leading up to it because while it looks like it's going to end here, you know it's not. It's not going to end here. And when it ends, it's a good ending. Let me just ask you something today, class. Don't you know that this life is not our final place? And that we're going through some things right now. One of these days, we're going to get to the ending, but we already know what it is. So when we already know what it is, let's give ourselves a little space. Let's step back and say, Lord, I forgot about this stuff we have to go through down here, but I'm so encouraged because I know we're going to make it through to the end. And we're going to do so with our hands lifted up high. And the little down, dark night of the soul that I have is just a part of the ultimate movie. And the movie ends well. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, we need that, don't we? We need to hear that and be reminded of that. Thank God for his word and for the encouragement of it for our hearts. Well, friends, um, tomorrow we're going to talk about the big fear for many people, the fear of death. And um, then on Thursday and Friday, we're going to talk about the fear of God. This series is meant for you for this time, and if you'd like to memorialize the series in print, you can do so by asking for your copy of the book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. It captures everything we've been talking about during these days, and it's yours for the asking 
when you simply send a gift to Turning Point to help us with airtime and production. Your gifts are the lifeline of our radio ministry. We couldn't do it without you. We count on you. We count on your faithfulness, on your generosity, on your willingness to step up and help us during these days. And we are so grateful. Uh, And behalf of all of those who send notes to us, thanking us for what we say from the Word of God that helps them, we pass their gratitude on to you because without you, we couldn't do this. We're a partner uh, with you and you with us as we share the Word of God around the world. Uh, It's such a wonderful thing to see what happens when you turn God's Word loose, how it comes back to you, just as He promised. Uh, He promised us that when we send it forth, it will never return unto us void, in other words, without accomplishing its purpose. Uh, That's the promise upon which Turning Point rests, and that's the reason why we can unapologetically ask you for your help to accomplish this purpose around the world. Uh, Tomorrow, again, I mentioned we're going to talk about death, the fear of dying. Uh, It's a very positive message, not a downer. Um, Last I knew, death uh, statistically was 100%, so we ought to at least have a talk about it, and we'll do that tomorrow and the next day. I'm David Jeremiah. I'm so thankful to be here with you every day and look forward to our next time right here on This Good Station. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to know how Turning Point is touching your life. So please write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries for instant access to our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we're living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the word, and be in prayer. A couple was in a meeting with an architect to explore the possibility of building a new house. The more the architect talked about the cost of the new house, the better their old house looked. 
that kind of realization happens often, doesn't it? We suddenly realize just how fortunate we are in our present circumstances. It's called contentment. The Apostle Paul offers the Bible's best words about contentment when he says he learned the secret of being content. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing from it. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for contentment on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.